Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. Also streaming worldwide at forwardradio.org. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 360. Today's topic is the Republican Party platform. So why this topic and what does it have to do with climate change? Why are we studying the Republican Party platform on a show that relates to climate change? Well, the answer to that is that the purpose of the climate report is to solve the problem of climate change, no matter what it takes, irrespective of where that goes. You know, the story is the boss, like Matt Taibbi's father said, that you follow the story wherever it leads. I've been following this story for four years, 360 episodes. That's about 180 hours of programming. And that journey has led me to believe that solving the problem of climate change is a whole lot more to do with rather simple things. It's about simple solutions. You would think that if you're talking about climate change, that there's these kind of complicated models as to how much greenhouse gas is in the air. And you know those have some value. Those have a role to play. But I think where we're going wrong today is focusing too much on models that are put together by an organization that is fundamentally political. And because it's political, it's pulling punches. It's doing a great job of analyzing a certain model with certain parameters, but it's not seeing a bigger picture. For example, the models that are put forth by the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, are assuming that we're going to have economic growth. I'm saying we should not be assuming that we're going to have economic growth. They're also assuming that technologies that are labeled renewable are actually renewable, as if biomass is renewable, as if solar is renewable, as if wind is renewable. They're also assuming that we need to maintain, not only maintain, but grow the level of energy consumption that we have. So there are a number of, and I don't have time to prove all of this right here and now, but I'm I'm just telling you that I'm at a place where the solutions to climate change are relatively simple and they have a whole lot more to do with governance than they have to do with complicated models involving greenhouse gases. So today we're talking about governance and we're necessarily talking about history. So governance involves rhetoric. Rhetoric involves trying to persuade people of this or that story. Rhetoric involves reinforcing this or that narrative about what it all means. And we need to dig into the rhetoric. We need to dig into the narratives. We need to talk about how power is wielded in our country. Because you have to know how power is wielded if you're going to have any impact. And you have to know how power is wielded if we're talking about solutions that involve our collective actions. Because that's what government is, our collective actions. So let's dig in and let's talk about the Republican Party platform because, for one thing, the Republican Party is one of two major parties in the United States. So what they have to say is important. So let's dig into the Republican Party platform. For some reason, the most recent 
Republican Party platform is 2016. So it's been seven years since the party has developed and adopted a platform for some reason. But here it is. Let's go. I've numbered these items. Number one, we believe in American exceptionalism. Number two, we believe the United States of America is unlike any other nation on earth. Number three, we believe America is exceptional because of our historic role, first as refuge, then as defender, and now as exemplar of liberty for the world to see. Number four, we affirm, as did the Declaration of Independence, that all are created equal, endowed by their creator with inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Number five, we believe in the Constitution as our founding document. Number six, We believe the Constitution was written not as a flexible document, but as our enduring covenant. Number seven, we believe our constitutional system, limited government, separation of powers, federalism, and the rights of the people must be preserved uncompromised for future generations. Now, I'm going to read three more to round out the top ten. Then we're going to go back up to number one and talk about each one. Number eight, we believe in political freedom and economic freedom are indivisible. We believe that political freedom and economic freedom are indivisible. Number nine, when political freedom and economic freedom are separated, both are in peril. When united, they are invincible. Number 10, we believe that the people are the ultimate resource and that the people, not the government, are the best stewards of our country's God-given natural resources. Now let's go back up to the top and unpack these. If you're just joining me, this is the Climate Report on Forward Radio, and today we're talking about the Republican Party platform. Item number one, we believe in American exceptionalism. Now, the first three are about American exceptionalism. We believe in American exceptionalism. Number two, we believe the United States of America is unlike any other nation on earth. Number three, we believe America is exceptional because of our historic role, first as refuge, then as defender, and now as exemplar of liberty for the world to see. So what is American exceptionalism? Well, item number two, we believe the United States of America is unlike any other nation on earth. Okay, so <laughs> in other words, we're different. Let's, let's say first off that we are an empire. The United States of an, is an empire. Like Jill Stein said, if the United States is, an, is an, not an empire, there's never been an empire. The United States is an empire. At home, we're kind of a democracy, but abroad, we are an empire. We have influence the whole world over, and there are only about eight countries in the world that do not bend the knee and go with the flow with the American empire because they are bribed and they are bludgeoned 
and they in into going with the flow of whatever we want to do which means you'd better use our currency you'd better agree to our trade deals you'd better not do too much for your own people or resist the will of american corporations that's how an empire that's how a modern empire acts we're not officially governing over you but the unofficial type of governing it goes a long way and is very powerful and there are only about eight countries in the world that are not going with the flow there's more that number is going to increase over the course of time but currently russia china north korea Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, Syria, Iran are the countries that are not going with the America not going with the flow and you'll notice that these are the countries that constantly get criticized and slandered in the media. You know, it's Iran that's against democracy, it's Russia that's against democracy, it's Cuba that's against democracy, it's Nicaragua that's against democracy, it's Venezuela that's against democracy. And we are for democracy. What they don't do is tell you that Saudi Arabia is against democracy because Saudi Arabia is our ally. They don't tell you that Colombia is against democracy because Colombia is our ally. They don't tell you that Indonesia is against democracy because Indonesia is our ally. But back to American exceptionalism. American exceptionalism is like Madeleine Albright said, we are the indispensable nation. It's like, if we don't go all around the world kicking ass and taking names, who will? You know, as if there's some sort of moral mandate uh, to dominate other countries and to tell them how it ought to go. Notice for our entire lifetime, if you were born after 1959, for our entire lifetime, we've been told only bad things about Cuba. We have not been told any good things about Cuba. We're told endlessly that, you know, Fidel Castro was a dictator and it's a dictatorship. We're not told that they have pretty high rates of literacy. We're not told that they send doctors all over the world rendering medical care as a service. They have a pretty darn good health care system. And they don't tell you what kind of government Cuba had when the government of Cuba was our ally. The, the dictator of Cuba was Batista before Fidel Castro. Batista was a tyrant. And the, the poor people of Cuba had it really bad when Batista was in charge you don't hear about that in our history classes. You don't hear about that in, uh, on the media. But what we constantly get is this rhetoric that says, we are the leaders of the world because we are the city on a hill. We are the beacon of democracy. When our military goes all over the world doing what militaries do, which is invade and interfere, but when we do it, we're fighting for freedom and democracy and human rights. And so where is this message coming from? Is it coming from the very truth itself? 
Is it coming from objective people? Is it coming from unbiased people? Or is it coming from people who have an agenda that may or may not be your agenda or my agenda? And is it coming from people who have a worldview that may or may not be rational? And it may or may not be the worldview that is best for the people of America or the people of the world. So when you hear about American exceptionalism in any of its forms, like we have the moral authority to have 800 military bases, like we have the moral authority to intervene in other countries, like we have the moral authority to tell other countries whether or not they're a real democracy, then we have to hear that with a great deal of skepticism. It says in item three here, uh, in the Republican Party platform, we believe America is exceptional because of our historic role. First as refuge, then as defender, and now as exemplar of liberty. In other words, we're, we're just offering people refuge. Never mind that a great, you know, something on the order of 11 to 15% of our population Uh, Their ancestors were brought here as slaves. Never mind that the people who owned this continent uh, were completely uh, pushed off, exterminated, and confined to very small areas called reservations. Nonetheless, according to the Republican Party platform, historically we have been a refuge. And it says here we are a defender and an exemplar of liberty. We are the example of liberty. Well, in many ways, we do have a relatively free society, but that doesn't count if you're one of the millions of people who are being held as prisoners. The United States has 25% of the world's prison population. We have 5% of the real population, 25% of the world's prison population. In other words, we have five times more prisoners per capita than the world average. Does that sound like an exemplar of liberty? Plus, according to Chris Hedges, about 40% of the people in prison are there because of victimless crimes. They, were, they never harmed another person. They're in prison because they committed a non-violent drug offense. Is that an exemplar of liberty? Are we exemplars of liberty when we invade Iraq or Afghanistan? Are we exemplars of liberty as we facilitate a genocidal war in Yemen? With Saudi Arabia being in the lead, but we are complicit. We are aiding and abetting Saudi Arabia's, Saudi Arabia's genocidal war in Yemen. Somebody might say, well, we're not perfect. I'm not talking about perfect. You just changed the subject. That's a straw man argument. I'm not talking about perfect. I'm talking about whether we have the right to see ourselves as exemplars of liberty when so many people of the world end up being collateral damage in our imperial wars. 
Somebody might, might say, Hart, why are you not patriotic? Well, define patriotism. Does patriotism, but does patriotism mean I have to be for the latest, greatest war of invasion? Does patriotism mean that I have to be in favor of 800 military bases? Does patriotism mean I have to be in favor of the world's largest military budget where there's not even a close second? If you or a family member is in the military, thank you for your service, but can we talk about what all of this is about? If you're just joining me, this is the Climate Report on Forward Radio. We're talking about the Republican Party platform. We just got finished with the first three items. The fourth item in the Republican Party platform is we affirm, as did the Declaration of Independence, that all are created equal, endowed by their creator with inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, but both our foreign policy and our domestic policy are serious burdens on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In my lifetime, the United States has killed millions of people directly through military invasions. This counts the Vietnam War, where, you know, depending on who you count and who's doing the counting, It's somewhere between a million and a half people or five million people. That's a big range. But invading armies don't stop to count the bodies. The most conservative estimates are that in Vietnam, about a million and a half people died. But if you also count the people in Laos and Cambodia, and if you count the people who died after the war as a result of chemical warfare like Agent Orange, the numbers get into 3 million or more. So is that the behavior of a country that really, truly, in reality, respects people's right to life? And somebody might say, we were just defending democracy and we had all the best intentions. Well, if you're defending democracy, do you care whether or not the people of Vietnam want to be invaded? Do they want their country to be invaded? In Vietnam, we never had the hearts and minds of the people. That's why we went in there and we slaughtered people and we slaughtered people and we slaughtered some more people, but they would not yield because we were in their country. And they had been through, you know, imperialism, colonialism at the hands of the French, colonialism at the hands of the Japanese. They didn't want the Americans to come in and do tag team with the French and say, hey, we're your colonial power now. If you ask most Vietnamese, do they support uh, Ho Chi Minh, the leader of North Vietnam, or do they support our puppet dictator, whose name was Diem, and then there was another one, Thieu, So who do the people of Vietnam support? And mostly the people of Vietnam thought that Ho Chi Minh was their leader and they did not want their country divided into a north and a south with the south supposedly being the defender of of freedom. Besides the, you know, Diem and Thieu were Catholic in a a predominantly Buddhist country. They were Catholic because the French were Catholic 
And so you always had this Buddhist majority that supposedly had to submit to this Catholic minority. And most Vietnamese people said, we didn't want that. So do we care about life if we're slaughtering people who don't want us to be in their country? And do we care about liberty or democracy if we're slaughtering people who don't want us to be in their country? Okay, moving ahead in the Republican Party platform on the Climate Report, items five and six. We believe in the Constitution as our founding document. That's item five. And item six, we believe the Constitution was written not as a flexible document, but as our enduring covenant. And item number seven, we believe our constitutional system, limited government, separation of powers, federalism, and the rights of the people must be preserved, uncompromised for future generations. And my question is, does either party in the United States of America really believe in the Constitution? Let's deal with this. So it's like they're jumping up and down saying, we believe in the Constitution. We believe in the Constitution. We believe in the Constitution. Okay, do you believe in the Fourth Amendment, the right to not be searched without a warrant? We've got massive overarching surveillance. They're collecting all of our information. There's no, uh, you know, our, our texts, our emails, our social media, they're collecting all of our information supposedly to combat terrorism. But, you know, our Constitution says we have a right to not be subject to search and seizure except with a warrant written by a judge. Do we have that? No, we do not have that. Do we have a right to a fair trial? According to Chris Hedges and Michelle Alexander, you know, most of the people who are in prison were not given a trial. They were given a plea bargain. And if you want to go to trial and you lose when you go to trial, then you get like three times the sentence. So people learn to, to just accept the plea bargain. Is that a fair trial? You know, Amendment 8 of the Constitution says you have a right to a fair trial. Most people in prison were not given a right to a fair trial. The Constitution says Congress has the right to declare war. When was the right? When was the last time Congress declared war? We've been in unendless. We've been in endless, never-ending war in our entire lifetime since 1945 and before that. But since 1945, we've been in a constant, never-ending, undeclared war. And whoever supports that, whoever supports undeclared wars, does not believe in. The Constitution. If you want to, to be in favor of undeclared wars, that's your business, but you can't be in favor of undeclared wars and pretend that you're in favor of the Constitution. And that's exactly what the Republicans are doing in their platform when they say, we believe in the Constitution. Well, then why aren't you jumping up and down in Congress saying, bring all the troops home because we don't have any declared wars going on at the moment. Item number seven in the Republican platform says, we believe our constitutional system, limited government, separation of powers, 
federalism and the rights of the people must be preserved uncompromised for future generations. But do they really believe that? That's, that's what I'm saying. They don't really believe that. This is just rhetoric. If they believe in limited government, then why are they in favor of NAFTA or the, or, and why, why do they believe in, uh, you know, the, the United States Constitution Commerce Clause is used as an excuse for the federal government to have unlimited power over the states and the localities wherever the federal government has, uh, you know, an opinion about something or a regulatory structure that means that the states and localities have no authority in that realm, okay, fine, but at what point does the federal government back off and say, you know, we're going to let the states and localities have their own food system and we're going to support the right of a locality say, uh, to say, you know, in this location, we're not going to have GMO foods. In this location, we're not going to have toxic pesticides. You can't do that because nobody at the federal level believes in giving very much power to the states, and nobody at the state level believes in giving very much power to the localities. So therefore, the states and localities do not have the right to protect themselves against the worst toxins that the, uh, corporations want to put into our soil, our water, and our food. So instead of Republicans giving lip service to limited government, why don't they actually do something about it? Item number eight in the Republican Party platform says, we believe political freedom and economic freedom are indivisible. Now, this is the mythology of a free market. If you believe in markets, that's your business. But don't tell me any nonsense about free markets. There's no such thing as a free market. Markets have rules and somebody made up those rules. So what they're trying to do here is to say everybody has economic freedom. Like, okay, the homeless person sleeping under the bridge has economic freedom, and Warren Buffett has economic freedom, and they're equally free to do whatever they want with their money. The only problem is one has all the money in the world, and the other one doesn't have any money. So the idea of economic freedom sounds nice, but what do they really mean by it? Economic freedom has come to mean the freedom to pollute, the freedom to exploit, the freedom to underpay people, the freedom to bust unions, the freedom to go to other countries and tell them how it's going to be. Economic freedom means freedom for us, but not freedom for them, freedom for the rich, but not the poor, freedom for the money, but not freedom for the many. Got about a half minute left. Let me leave you with something to think about. Here it is. We need to question and scrutinize the rhetoric that we get. Words are powerful and we're all busy 
so we have to understand that all writers are propagandists, all speakers are propagandists, everybody who is saying something has an agenda, and people who have political or economic power, not least of all the Republican Party, you really need to watch what they're saying because they're probably telling you something that is at best half true. Oh, look at the time. Bye now.